We're the Con Guys, and this is the Con Guys Show, coming to you straight from the nerdy heart of Hollywood, California. And this is Jim with theconguy.com. She's been here with theconguy.com. Katie here, aka the Con Girl. Zordon did not want five teenagers with attitude. My name is Derek Sam. I'm Danae Sams, and that's my brother. We are your home for news, opinions, and interviews from the world of Comic-Cons and fandoms. Your ultimate insiders for all things... I'm never going get, to get, get over how much I love that introduction. I really... <laughs> Hey, it's a special Thursday night show, guys. Thursday, and we're going to make the most of it. This is summer, which means... Thirsty Thursday. Oh, 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 oh. Hey, Welcome to the uh, the Con Guy happy hour. Is anybody uh, else thirsty like I am? It's summertime, guys. I didn't get a drink. I should still get one. I should do that. I'm, got time. I'm staying hydrated over here. <laughs> I have... It's important. I have Diet Coke. It's like only my second one I've had in two days because I'm trying to like cut back. Good. So. Good, good, good. But I just want to say this is summer, which means summer movies and fan conventions, which are starting to open up. And this week we are celebrating the original summer blockbuster. And some would say the best. I would say the best. It's called Jaws, the Steven Spielberg classic that convinced us it was not safe to go back into the water, although we did. But uh, this week we preview 10 interviews with filmmakers, designers, actors, and fans of that original film. People that are here in Hollywood and that are very much into Jaws. They want to make it last and they, they help to, to bring it about the first time. And then, and then Derek and Katie are going to take us deep inside the world of Lego, specifically some updates. Lego, Jim. It is not a plural. Lego. Oh, inside the world of Lego. It's kind of like Jedi. Yeah. All right. So they go with that. <laughs> specifically, they're gonna um, give us. Uh, they're gonna take us inside the world of Lego Con. And was this the first ever Lego Con? Um, I believe so. I mean, they've got like little events that you could call conventions, kind of that happen a lot. Uh -huh. But this is the first like worldwide international live streamed event that they've done. Yeah. Well, listen, guys, my name is Jim Fry. I'm your co-host for tonight's dive into nostalgia and fandom. We're coming to you straight from the nerdy heart of Hollywood, California. This is The Con Guy Show, the official podcast of theconguy.com. We are your home for discussion and views on, you know, fandom, Comic-Cons, pop culture, anything you geek out on. And we try to do it from a filmmaker's perspective since we're all kind of wrapped up in the entertainment business. We're coming to you from... Our home on that hashtag show network. Ben, who sponsors that hashtag show network? Yay, everybody. Our show is brought to you today by the fine people over at Neft Vodka, reminding you to please drink responsibly, as well as uh, toink.com, T-O-Y-N-K.com. You can go there and get all kinds of cool stuff there. They got memorabilia and collectibles and uh, tiki mugs, all kinds of stuff, toys, action figures, a sweet lightsaber lamp. I did an unboxing video of a while back. It's pretty cool. Did you say tiki mugs? I didn't know they had tiki mugs. I think I, I, think I just got an email and they had some tiki mugs. Okay. I think. Okay, okay. It's time I for I might be telling work. tales outside of school. I don't know. That's all right. It's it's tiki season. It's summer season, guys. I'm so – like, the reason that we are talking about Jaws tonight, 
Luke has joined the show. Wait, so since we're talking about people, Ben, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself? Me? <laughs> well, hey, everybody. I'm old buddy Ben Cleaver. Uh, I'm actor, comedian, writer, all sorts of stuff out here in Los Angeles. And uh, yeah, I do uh, all kinds of stuff. What I'm One thing I'm really excited about is comedy clubs opening back up because I've been working on material over... Uh, uh, over quarantine, and I'm ready to get back out there and start trying my new stuff and seeing if people might actually laugh. Nice, nice. <laughs> I've seen you. I've seen you do some stand up before, and I love it. I love it. All right, Katie. Hi, everyone. It's uh, Katie, one of the con girls, the only con girl representing tonight. Uh, I'm Katie. I am a streamer and designer and cosplayer. Um, I also am part of the Con Girls, which is the sister site to the Con Guy. Uh, we live reacted our thoughts on Loki last night. You guys uh, did such also, a great job. We will also, Danae and I and Emily will again be doing that for the finale of Loki. So definitely tune into the Con Girls if you don't follow that. Um, we also have a couple fun shows that we are planning and in the works. So just make sure you pop over to the con girls if you maybe you're a nerdy girl and you want to just see girls also nerd out about stuff uh, we got you covered not that there's anything wrong with male nerds but you know we all you know girls need an outlet too so everybody deserves their own space sometimes you know yeah mm -hmm. and i gotta tell you though the, the con girl is definitely a reaction to the fact that that katie and danae and and ben's better half brie um they they definitely have perspectives that you know some of it that we kind of sometimes miss and it's it's kind of cool and i do it the same you the live the live show you guys did the other night the, the reaction to loki was so fun you guys did such a good job in that anyways also, yeah um we, we weren't really talking about it tonight we don't but WitcherCon is coming up on july 9th and if you guys know me at all, I'm a big, huge fan of the Witcher franchise, both the Witcher 3 video game and the TV series. And they are doing two streams, both on July 9th, one at 10 a.m. and one at 6 a.m. with a whole bunch of content about the game and the TV show. I'm assuming, I'm hoping they drop the season two uh, release date on that. Um, but on July 9th, and Mr. Henry Cavill has a his own panel um, that he'll be doing on july 9th at the first session which is at 10 a.m so if you know if you don't like the game you can probably like henry cavill i mean i don't know how you can't so, i don't know anybody who doesn't. Gonna be. yeah oh, i'm sorry Derek, what you say i just said i don't know anybody who doesn't if they don't know who he is but yeah okay. Speaking of Derek. both the con girls have henry cavill on our dishwasher so yeah. <laughs> as he will as well he should be all right Derek. Hi, I'm Derek Sands. I'm a regular here. Um, yeah, what all do we need to say? I um, did. You're uh, I was tonight. What? Yeah, I'm going to be talking about LegoCon, which was a live stream uh, this past Saturday morning. I was live tweeting on the Con Guy uh, Twitter, and I reached out to myself, and myself replied at one point because um, <laughs> you know the, all those it's amazing social skills I have. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. And last but definitely not least, uh, cheese on beside the couch. Hey there, everybody. <laughs> the big jaws in here, actually. Probably fighting words for Ben. We'll see. 
between me and Ben, we're probably the biggest Jaws fans here. But uh, excited to talk about Jaws tonight. We have some very exclusive clips to show you. And just so you know, I am Cheeseman with uh, conguy.com and with scareguy.com and also a social media director. And I'm also a screenwriter. Woo! So much going on there. And for those of you who are tuning in live, all one of you. Um, <laughs> no. I, Thanks, Jonathan. <laughs> wait, 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 let's go over to our chat. We do have some comments here. Jonathan is there. Queso on the sofa. Good to Queso see you, Jonathan. <laughs> like you like you're eating queso on the sofa. No, he's calling Luke queso. queso on the sofa. Because yeah. we call on couch. That's fantastic. That's fantastic. And we are going to jump quickly into Jaws here, but I just want to give a little bit of a promo. Um, if you haven't seen them, we did it. We have dropped a couple of really cool uh, podcasts this week. Myself, Derek, and Katie dropped one at the beginning of the week. Katie, would you like to tell everybody what that podcast was? Yeah, I'm totally blanking on his name, though. Craig Moss. Craig Moss. Oh, thank you. Craig Moss, right? Yeah. Okay, yeah. Yeah. So it we happens. interviewed the writer and director. Writer, right? Yeah, he was also the writer, right? Yeah, okay. Yeah. All right, guys, I do not know my stuff, apparently. Uh, the writer <laughs> and the director of the new horror film, Let Us In. Mm -hmm. uh, and it was actually quite an enjoyable watch. So if, you're, if you like uh, Halloween movies, you like horror movies, but you also don't know where's a good movie to watch with a family, uh, this is actually a really good one to watch with your family as it's not too scary, but it's just creepy enough that kids could enjoy it. Uh, and one of the more refreshing things is it's kids playing kids. So you yep. don't have any 20, 30 something year olds playing teenagers. So it's actually a little bit of a breath of fresh air and it was very enjoyable. Like they had some unpredictable stuff, some cliche stuff that you get in horror, but it was just like the perfect balance. And I thoroughly enjoyed it. But if you guys want to watch our interview with the director writer, uh, it's up on the con guy or that hashtag show. So. Yes. And one of the really cool things we found out was that Craig Moss, the writer-director's 12-year-old uh, daughter, Mackenzie Moss, yeah. uh, plays the lead character in it. And so they were kind of collaborating on this, and she was even helping weigh in with uh, some of the, you know, making decisions, lingo. trying to figure out the casting. Yeah. yeah, and some of the, the lingo, yeah. just the, the way kids talk. Because, you know, when middle-aged men are writing a script about middle schoolers, it might not be that realistic. But yeah. thankfully, they had a 12-year-old involved. And the young boy, I, I just found out, is the son of a friend of mine, Sean Mo Mo Monahan, who is a comedian over at Westside Comedy Club. Yeah. It's a mission. He's part of Mission Improbable Comedy Troupe. So anyways, and real quick, 30 seconds, Cheeseman, what did we drop on Wednesday that folks can check out? On Wednesday, we finally put out our Days of the Dead panel stuff, which is totally evergreen because we talked about some of the biggest horror fandoms out there we talked about friday the 13th halloween um we had there was alice cooper and Corey taylor from slipknot there also friday the uh nightmare on elm street part three the the dream, dream warrior. warrior were there like the whole big group of the the teens were there which was pretty amazing and am i leaving anything out just one of it, it, we got um, David Naughton, an exclusive interview, the American, uh, American right. Werewolf in London. We have a one-on-one -on -one with him for about seven minutes, which is pretty spectacular. That was a great interview. We'll be doing a little bit more about that film, which is celebrating right now its 40th anniversary. But Jaw, 
I mean, Jaws. But Luke was able to meet somebody. Who are you able to meet, Cheeseman? Uh, Susan Bacalini, who was uh, uh, Chrissy Watkins from the original Jaws, the girl that gets eaten. That's on the poster there from the beginning. I met her. She was really nice doing signatures, and we're hoping to have her on the show, hopefully here soon within the next month or two so we've been talking to some people there but that's another great thing about these conventions you get to go up and meet people and if you know you're in entertainment or doing the podcasting like we are they're very friendly and sometimes open to chatting with you whether in person like we did with david Naughton or down the road like we may do with some of these other people we met well speaking of chrissy when a young woman is killed by a shark while skinny dipping near the new england tourist town of amity island police and chief uh, the, the police chief martin brody played by roy shatter wants to close the beaches and it's the fourth of july but mayor larry vaughn played by murray hamilton overrules him fearing that the loss of tourist revenue will cripple the town in comes the scientist matt hooper played by mr richard Griffiths, and a grizzled ship captain played named quint played by robert shaw they all offer to help brody capture this killer beast and the trio engage in epic battle of man versus nature. Jaws was released June 20th, 1975, forever altering our trips to the beach. Woo! And we are celebrating it today. We're going to celebrate this name. So Luke and Ben, over this past year, they were able to do a series of really cool interviews with a number of creatives from that original film. Creatives, locals to, to Martha's Vineyard, and myself and Katie and Luke were able to interview Greg Nicotero, who is, he's the guy responsible for restoring the, the last remaining Jaws shark mold. So anyways, Luke, let's hear a little bit about what, and oh, oh, last thing, and this is what we're actually going to talk about, is if you go to thecottonguy.com, you will see this graphic and this article. This is where we have collected... 10 exclusive interviews with folks from the original Jaws, plus Greg Nicotero, and some some really cool stuff. All 10 interviews are there, and we're going to give you a slight preview tonight to give you a taste of what you can uh, be expecting. Cheeseman, tell us what we can expect. And you and can jump in and kind of talk about how this okay. went. Obviously, I've prepared. Yeah, uh, we did 10 interviews about a year ago during the 45th anniversary and had a lot of great people like we had carl gottlieb the writer just starting kind of up at all got brought in with spielberg unfortunately spielberg was busy that week and we couldn't get him on with him but yeah, know, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll try better next year but uh we by also the had, by the 50th for sure right exactly exactly <laughs> Uh, well, and then he then called I, us, and we were like, "Sorry, man, we're all booked up now." We're all so. booked up the weekend. <laughs> Doing episode eleven right now. But uh, yeah, we did. A, we had Jeffrey Kramer, who was Hendrix. We had Joe Alves, who designed the orca and the shark, which was pretty amazing. Which a lot of people I don't think realize the amount of you know influence he had on the whole thing. Because you're like, "Oh, Joe Alves," but like, unless you're like a fan he doesn't get as much credit as he deserves for creating the bruce shark that everybody's obsessed with with the orca that everybody's obsessed with had such a hands-on production approach storyboarding and creating it so and he was the director of jaws 3. 
That's true. Yeah, and he was the director of Jaws 3, but he just was amazing because, you know, like he'd bring books out and like he had collect so much of the stuff or would have little notes from production and all that. Like he has so many little things and he'll just like turn around like, hold on, I, I got this thing here and then I'll like show you yeah. in person. And we're hoping eventually that we could get over there in person and kind of get to see some of the place, which may be a possibility. So you're saying, okay, so we did speak with Joe Owls, who personally was one of my favorites. And I know, Ben, you really, you, what do you think about the Joe Owls interview? Oh, I think, I, I think it's Alvis, isn't it? Is it oh, Alves? am I saying it wrong? I am so sorry. No, it's Alves. Is it Alves? Okay. Yeah. My, my fault. Uh, I think if you're going to watch, if, if you're only going to watch two out of these 10 interviews, watch the Carl Gottlieb and watch the Joe Alves. Yep. Because this is old school Hollywood guys from, you know, who came up working in the sixties and seventies. And, you know, they were, they were still young guys when they were working on jaws, especially Joe, but now they're like these grizzled old Hollywood guys who've been living out here since they, you know, they're <laughs> just, and uh, they're just so delightful and so fun to talk to. And it's just like exactly what Luke was saying. Joe would just be like, Oh yeah, I got this. And then like, told us stories about how guys from the crew would like take he got upset because they'd take teeth out of the model out of the the big mechanical shark <laughs> yeah. and like take it to bars after they wrap shooting for the day and try and impress women and then he'd have to like put new teeth in the shark and it yeah. was it, I it was I don't I, think I, that would impress me I, I like if someone's <laughs> like here's a shark's tooth from a movie prop well, I'm sure they weren't telling him it was fake like yeah, yeah. Either way, I don't think I'd I pulled be like, this out of a shark. Come on, Katie. The guy dove in to the ocean and pulled out a great white shark tooth. Yeah, because I would believe that. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe you wouldn't believe it, but you'd respect the effort. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> it's not just like a hi. Right. But Luke, you have put together a little preview of the Joe Owls interview, correct? Yeah. Would we like to show that now? I would love to see that. Yeah. Okay. I just want to say I'm. Obviously wearing a Quint hat, wearing a Jaws shirt, but I'm also drinking out of a Jaws glass. Oh, Our yeah. friend uh, Patrick decided for some reason to put some whiskey scotch in there. So I guess I'm kicking it off this Quint. way. So here's to swimming with bow-legged women. And we're <laughs> going to show you an exclusive clip from our Joe Alves interview. All right. Do you hear a lot about stories about Jaws that I could go into? Like they used the barrels because the shark wasn't working. That's not true at all. You could see in these early sketches based on the book, there were barrels. The barrels were very important and I painted them yellow. So they were a suspense thing to use, like a Hitchcock thing. Instead of showing the shark all the time, we didn't not show the shark all the time because it didn't work. Every There's some like 200 storyboards in that book and the ones that have the shark we got all the shots that we wanted. It just took a while, and I'll tell you why uh, it took a while to get the shark working. That, that's a super interesting story, because I, I, I've i always heard that it was because the shark wasn't working. That's oh, really cool to know that. Absolutely not true. Okay, first of all, let me just say this. Stephen uh, was not on the movie when I started, uh, but, you know, we were friends. I used to go over to his... Uh, his cabana there out of the studio. And I was showing him shark pictures and my drawings. And he said, basically, and I've told him this before, that if we do this, we should, we want to do a, you know, full-size shark, a big shark, 
in the real ocean, not in a pond or back lot with a, a you know, a phony looking uh, backdrop. So that was the intent. And, and we had come up with the size of 25 feet. Uh, and uh, that's because uh, an ichthyologist that I was working with said that the perfect shaped white shark is 12 feet. As they get bigger, they get fatter. So we doubled that. So when we presented that uh, to the, all the department heads at Marshall's office, Stephen has now gotten onto the movie, and the effects department uh, said they've never done it before. They've never made a shark like this. And if they did, it would take a year, a year and a half to make and test and all that. So uh, they, they didn't do it. And, and as we, I was leaving the meeting, Marshall Green, who happened to live on a boat and sort of liked the idea of this movie, said, can you get the shark made? And I said, I certainly could try. So basically, that was October 3rd. When we had the meeting, I put together, uh, made uh, Bob Maddie. Uh, there's a good page in there where there's a, I met with Bob and he brought back a little wire thing showing how the shark would open his mouth and stuff. And so that would, we probably put together a crew of seven guys, uh, probably November, December, we started finding a place to build it off the lot. So we really didn't get into really good construction till late December. Uh, the book came out in February uh, of 74. So they had probably worked on the shark maybe two months with that. And um, the studio said, uh, we're going to start shooting this in two weeks. I mean, in two months. So basically, we the shark didn't work because it never got... We never had time to test it. We, we didn't have the year to make it. Uh, after about four or five months and Stephen shot everything without the shark, we basically would try it. And I would go to Bob and say, what shark do you think is working? He says, I think the left to right. I'd go to Stephen. He would go through the storyboards that we had worked out and said, okay, that would be 185 uh, A, B, and C. And I would say, okay, if it works, we shoot it. If it's not, it's a test. So basically... That was the problem. But we got every shot that we had planned. Uh, the idea that the shark didn't work, this whole thing, oh, yeah, so that's why they didn't use the shark so much. Absolutely false. And the barrels, I painted the barrels yellow uh, so they would stand out. And the barrels represented the shark. When you see the barrels pop up, you know what's down there. It's the shark. So it's a, sort of a Hitchcock thing, you know, don't show everything. Yeah, right. Right. Fantastic. Yeah, that is I mean, really fascinating. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I kind of, when I, when I first saw Jaws, I was really young, and it terrified me. I legit was terrified of that. It didn't even matter how little or you saw the actual shark. It was still scary, and I always kind of figured they intentionally did it that way because you don't want to give away the whole thing. I mean, the best horror films, you don't see the monster that until, you know, certain parts. Mm -hmm. so, but I mean, I knew that it was problematic and it had issues with it, but I never associated that as to why we didn't see the shark so little. Well, that's what, that's what the rumor and that's what the, the, yeah. the that's that what the, they've been saying for all these years. And Joe comes on and says, no, that's not what the reason was. Everybody yeah. still thinks that's the reason. It's great. It's great. 
So I, mean, I, ben, love little, I love little like little things like that where you yeah, find yeah. information from shooting. I think it's fascinating. Yeah, and Katie, you as a production person, and all of us mm -hmm. as you know filmmakers understand like you need time to create things. And like he was mm -hmm. talking in there, which was interesting, it kind of cleared up because there's such a reputation behind Jaws of the, the shark's not working, blah, 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 what a disaster. But it's like the studio had this book that was like basically coming out as they were making the movie just because there was a lot of hype around it. And then they made a shark that should have taken a year. They're just like, oh, we're just gonna do it. And they never really had time to test it in the ocean yeah. or do anything. And they just put that thing in there. So for what they had to do, they did a phenomenal job in that short of time. And then again, you know, like he said, you know, the barrels were always kind of part of that. And then they just maybe played into it even more when, you know, the, the problems happen. Yeah, like the, the scene with the barrels, it kind of reminds me, and I know he, he said Hitchcock, but it reminds me of like the scene in Jurassic Park. It might be Jurassic Park. I can't remember which one. I think it's Jurassic Park where you don't see the dinosaurs and you just see the people disappearing in the tall grass. Oh yeah, Lost World. The uh, Lost World, oh, yeah. Okay. I couldn't remember which one, but so I apologize for not remembering which one, but um, okay. yeah, like that scene was probably more scary because you didn't see the dinosaurs, you just saw people disappearing. Or even better yet, like it, it compares to like the scene in Jurassic Park where you just hear the thump of the da-da-dum and you see the yeah, shaking of the water. water. Like yeah. All right, or, next. Yeah, again, Spielberg. I know. Or the Velociraptor in the kitchen, which is, in my opinion, one of the, the scenes that scared me the most as a kid. Every time I went into a kitchen that had stainless steel appliances, oh, I was Oh my gosh, I know. So one of the other, uh, another great get for this, this is the, the uh, when we when we decided to put together all these podcasts, Cheeseman, this is the one, Carl Gottlieb, who wrote the book, The Jaw, let me go here, The Jaws Log. He also wrote the movie, Jaws. Yeah. Um, he's a he a legendary writer and actor. He um, wrote on the Bob Newhart show, The Smothers Brothers, The Odd Cop Couple. He wrote he wrote the film The Jerk. Wait, did he direct The Jerk? He wrote the film The Jerk. Yeah, he and wrote Caveman. that. Caveman before, he directed. Yeah, before taking on the movie Jaws. Now, and he was able to take us a little bit inside uh, this summer blockbuster, and he told us some about his book, The Jaws Log, which is. I can't get it in frame, which is kind of like the day by day of what happened on the set. Uh, and Ben said that this is one of the guys that he most liked talking to. Well, this, this Carl and Joe, who we just saw, I was just sitting there watching this footage of Joe. I was on that interview and I was still sitting here right now, just mesmerized listening to yeah. him. That's yeah. why. And you'll see when we watch Carl and I think I'm actually going to dip out of the show during this next video. Um, but uh, so I, I got to head out tonight, but uh ben's in a production meeting production meeting right so exactly but yes part of these interviews yeah you'll see in the interviews yeah oh yeah yeah what were you saying about carl but joe and carl both just these old school hollywood guys from you know the 70s who kind of made this movie in the old school way of making movies you know they had a budget but it wasn't huge it wasn't small but it wasn't huge right. and they had to like work with what they had and they, they didn't have the budgets and the cgi and all the stuff that you have these days you know disney threw all the money they had at, at avengers right they didn't have that when they were making jaws and they still made one of the greatest films of all time so amazing yep all right so carl gottlieb cheeseman all right good ben, night everybody thank you for up tonight good night ben 
Good night. All right. Ben, where can we find you? Oh, oh yeah. you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at B-E-N-K-L-I-E-W-E-R. Uh, you can also search the hashtag BK421. I'm pretty much the only person that uses it because it doesn't really mean anything except for that. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. And uh, we'll see you guys next time on the next live Congar. I'll see you. You'll, you'll see the rest of these folks for the rest of the evening. But good night, everybody. I love you all. Good night, Ben. Good night, right, Ben. Let's, let's see Carl. Good night, Ben. All right, Carl. So just I was to, so hoping that the video would pop up right when Ben like. Well, yeah, I was gonna wait. I was gonna dip out yeah. when the video played. He, he was waiting yeah. for the video to start freaking leave. Okay, go, go ahead. Fine. I just want to clarify real quick. Carl Gottlieb was working on the Odd Couple, and then he moved in the Jaws. He was working in TV, and then I think the movie stuff came after. Just because the Jaws nerds, I just don't want them to go crazy about stuff, and <laughs> we're trying our best to know our stuff. All right. And Carl Gottlieb. Bye, Ben. There I was. Uh, you know, I had an Emmy. I was writing, and, and my friend Steven Spielberg and I were writing together. And uh, he asked me to work on a script that he was developing called Jaws. And I went to Martha's Vineyard three weeks before principal photography. Rewrote on location, staying barely ahead of the schedule. Performed in the movie as an actor. I also said. If we, Stephen and I, do our jobs right, people will feel about going in the water the way they felt about taking a shower after Psycho. Right. And for the next 45 years, anytime I ever met anyone and told them I worked on Jaws, the first comment to me was, <laughs> you know, after I saw that movie, I didn't go swimming, I didn't go, you know, I've heard that for 45 years. Do you think that your your background as an actor did, did that? How much did that inform how you wrote the screenplay of Jaws? It sounds like you did have kind of like a collaborative operation going on there with the the actors when it comes to the script. Oh yeah, no, no. When when you know when you're working as closely with the director and the actors as we did in Jaws, uh, everything they do becomes grist for the mill. If you've done your job as a writer, you've created characters that the actors can inhabit. And if they decide to ad lib, they'll ad lib in character, not just an actor trying to invent more dialogue for themselves. So it was a very, it's a perfect example. To this day, it's the best, the happiest collaboration of my life. Everybody was contributing all the time. Everything nice. people did. I was listening to the actors. I could write in their voices. Uh, Craig Kingsbury, who was a Martha's Vineyard character, said a lot of things and wound up in, in uh, Quint's dialogue. Because hmm. when Spielberg met Craig, he said, Carl, you got to listen to this guy. He's got a great turn of phrase. So Craig got a part in the movie, and, and uh, we, got free, we got free dialogue. You, you take stuff where you find it. You know, uh, Lee Fierro did not like her speech. When she, when she slapped Brody and she refused to say the lines. So uh, on, at the last minute, I had to write a new speech for her, which she did perfectly and slapped the shit out of Roy Scheider. <laughs> and it's a great moment in the movie, and I'm very proud of her as an actor for forcing me to write that speech the way it turned out and for her to deliver it the way she delivered it. As an actor myself, one of my favorite monologues in cinema history is uh, the uh, Robert Shaw's Indianapolis uh, speech that he gives when they're on the boat. Um, 
how how did that scene and that monologue evolve uh, from from beginning to what we got in the end? And as I understand it, did you send that scene to like George Lucas, Zemeckis, Bob Gale? Do you remember any of the advice that they give on that? Stephen was very nervous about that speech. It doesn't occur in the novel, and Sackler introduced it because he had he was a Navy guy and understood history of the Navy, so he knew about the Indianapolis, and he's the guy who put it in the script. And it was always a, like a two-page, three-page scene. It was a monstrous block of dialogue. Yes, yeah. was very nervous about shooting it, so he sent it to all his friends for contributions. And some people, you know, wrote stuff down. Some people sent stuff in over the phone. John Melius was on the phone. But I, and I kept track of everything. And eventually we gave all the material, you know, five different versions to Robert Shaw. Now, Robert Shaw, one of, uh, uh, I think he got a Pulitzer Prize for drama. He wrote The Man in the Last Booth and five novels. So Shaw is the writer who took all the speeches and synthesized his monologue and came to dinner at one night and said, I think I've got that pesky speech licked. <laughs> he read it to us and Steven said, that's what we're shooting and that's what we shot. That is so cool. I have to that for a writer to be able to work with actors that well and you know have the humility to take to take their input and to work with them and just collaborate in that way. That's great. Yep. <laughs> I do have to say uh, we have to recognize somebody Miss Jay Smith. She said that Joe is her hero. Joe Alves is her spirit animal. Jay Smith is actually part of the 10 interviews we did for this. Um she oh. Yeah, she is one of the founders and hosts, along with Michael Smith, they are not related, of Let's Talk Jaws Live. It's a weekly show. And um, as they continue their, wait, 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 I have it right here. They are the creators of hosts of Let's Talk Jaws Live, a weekly interactive discussion group on Facebook that is designed for Jaws fin addicts, get it? Fin addicts, who crave a lot more Jaws interaction than just an occasional festival or screening let's talk jaws live has quickly become the go-to spot for jaws discussions and gatherings so Great. it's really cool to see her here tonight thank you so much jay for being here we love your show um did, i'm sorry I, I interrupted our discussion about uh carl gottlieb but uh i tell you what that guy Derek, you would have loved loved as a writer just sitting and yeah. listening to him talk about writing through the 70s and like this is a great interview that uh, Luke put together there with him when he, he talks about, he even talks about comedy, how comedy has changed over the years and how he doesn't know if he would be able to write comedy today, you know, because the people's responses to it have changed. Because he wrote a, a comedy, a very anti-racist comedy back in the day, The Jerk, which used some language that perhaps would not go over so well today, but he was using it to combat racism. So, I mean... And he, yep. he was he was such a breath of fresh air, don't you think, Luke? Totally. And a, and a couple of things I just want to note, like I mean, there's so many great stories that you'll hear if you can like listen to the whole thing. But 
Yeah. Something that fun that he told us when we first met him in person, we were at an art gallery, was that Robert Shaw took two days to record the speech. The first day he showed up drunk because he thought that would kind of make the speech better, but then he ended up kind of really messing it up and missing kind of like what it needed to be. So, and he felt, Robert Shaw felt really bad. So he came back the next day, totally sober and did it. And then just like totally like nailed it. But the thing is that um, Carl Gottlieb said is that if you watch the takes, like when Robert Shaw's eyes are super glossy, you can tell that's the drunk version. But then when he's just like totally sober and just looking a certain, like more just directly and all that, like he's, you can tell that's the sober take and that's probably the majority, but they did, I think still take some of the other takes. And, and before we um, show the next clip, just tell them real quick, Luke, the first time that we met, uh, Carl Gottlieb. It was a really cool experience. Remember that? Yeah, we we're at basically we went to go see an art show in LA. They had a special art the hero gallery of Jaws fan art and stuff like that. And also Greg Nicotero, who we'll talk about again, um, one of the biggest special effects people out there right now. He recreated, you know, Brody, Hooper, and Quint all in kind of like a like a wax <laughs> kind of figure kind of looking thing that looks so realistic. And they also did a shark head as well, but we were there. And then the, the people that were, were running the gallery were like, Hey, uh, Carl Gottlieb is going to stop by like, Oh really? So we were supposed to rush back to watch ET other Spielberg movie with some friends, but then we're like, uh, we're going to kind of be, we might be kind of late or just kind of rushing it, give them a heads up. And then Carl Gottlieb came in and then the owner is like, Hey, can you go out and meet Carl and bring him in? I'm like, Yes. <laughs> so meet him. He told some of these stories that we're talking about, and I had him sign some stuff. So he was also right. awesome meet person. He's looking forward to doing more kind of meet and greet stuff here in the near future. Eager to get out there and see your fans and answer your questions and sign stuff for you. All right. Before the next clip, Jonathan reminds us of the song. Show me the way to go home. I'm tired. I want to go to bed. One of the best by far one of the most expertly skillfully crafted scenes in all of cinema history. Oh, cheese man. This next guy that we're going to show a clip from is one of my favorite Derek. You'll love it. This is the CBS executive who he was the guy responsible for green. Well, he was a Fox executive at the time. He greenlit X-Files. He's the responsible for X-Files being part of the things that I love so much today. His name is Jeffrey Voorhees. He played Luke. Who did no, he play? Jeffrey Kramer. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, I am. Yes. Jeffrey Kramer. Jeffrey Kramer. He played Deputy Hendricks, right? Yes. So uh, tell real quick. How did you first meet him? So I was at he's also in the movie Halloween, Two, And we we're at a Halloween yeah. 40th anniversary convention that was in Pasadena. And he was there doing a signing for that. But also like a lot of these actors, they'll bring headshots from their other things that they do and he obviously brought some stuff from jaws so i had him sign something for jaws that's now hanging on my wall but i talked to him i'm like hey we do a podcast i don't know if you'd ever want to come on our show and he was nice enough to give me his email so being the busy guy he is you know because he also worked on you know the show the practice back in the day like he was doing like emmy stuff for that like way ago but still like it's in the industry, working producing all this major stuff so uh, when we decided to do all this Jaws stuff, I was like, you know what? I'm just going to cold contact him again. I'm sure he was busy when I tried to contact him right after the convention. 
and I was able to get in, through that. I was able to get in touch with his PR person. He's like, yeah, yeah, okay. And then got that all, but it ended up being one of the nicest people you'll ever meet. He was nicest person in, in person as well. But uh, through that, we ended up getting kind of this exclusive interview with him as well. And he was amazing as a person, an actor, producer, like you'll, you'll see. Cool. So now we are going to show you the clip of Jeffrey Kramer. I saw in another interview, you were talking about your first day that you didn't feel quite well because you had a little bit of nerves the first day of I filming. I so nervous. I could have really thrown up on, the, you know, <laughs> on that beach. It, and, you know, it's so funny because there's a guy, Jonathan Philly. I've known him since we were kids. That was the first day of principal photography, you know, there and the dropping into thing into, into frame and and kind of almost vomiting and. It was, I was nervous. Oh boy. Was that theme? Did they actually have more? To follow up on Luke's question, did they have more of Chrissy's remains on the beach? No, that you, you saw what you saw. It was okay. really the arm, is what you okay. saw. So they never made like a severed head or like a, any no. kind of attached torso or anything. <laughs> that would have really been Luke. That would make me throw up, just looking at that. You know, Ben Gardner's head coming out of the boat was done at Vernafield Swimming Pool. Yeah. 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 Not really. I'm just amazed, like, what a PG movie could get away with then, that today PG movies are like what G movies were back in the 70s. Without a doubt. What was it like working with a young, fairly new, fresh Steven Spielberg back then, just problem-solving, figuring out how to do the film? Well, but he was still Steven then, and he really was open to ideas and other things and improvisation. You know, the rocks, the, the this, you know, what's the matter with my printing? You know, it's all kind of, he was very open. He was very encouraging. We didn't rehearse a lot, uh, if, if at all, really. And he just knew what he wanted and he knew what he didn't want. And he was the, the director. It didn't matter how old he was. He was the guy. And, mm -hmm. you know, I, you, who knew he would turn out to be this iconic legend and he'd be Spielberg. And, but he was always a good, decent, nice man. And I appreciated that. And when I ran into him uh, in L.A., he was always cordial. And we weren't close friends by any means, but he was a just a decent human being who uh, was kind. I think he was quite kind. Mm -hmm. And, you know, years later, many, many years later, we had won the Producers Guild of the Year uh, Award for um, the practice, I think it was. And David Kelly couldn't be there, and I'm going to accept it. And Stephen is presenting it in front of 600 people. And he says, uh, oh, and Jeffrey... Oh, he's oh he's he's presenting the award, and he go. They announce the award, and he says, "Oh, Jerry, I'm so proud of you." And I think, "Oh my God, you just called me Jerry. What am I going to have to say?" No, no, it's Jeffrey. It's Jeffrey. You couldn't do it, so I said, "Just said, thank you very much." <laughs> what are you going to do? You know, you think, oh boy, what will I do? I use this on the Tonight Show or something, you know, something. Right. But, you know, it was just so funny. Yeah. So humor in it. And he didn't mean anything by it. It was just, <laughs> yeah. 
All right, I, I could talk to that guy forever, but we got to let's let's kind of get to the last two clips you have here because they are definitely two of my favorite cheesemen. Set up, set up the uh, the next one. So the next one is Jeffrey Voorhees. He played Alex Kittner, the boy that you know gets eaten by the shark, yellow raft, red swim shorts. So what was cool about him is we interviewed him and he actually went out on location to the beach where he died and did his interview from there. So his character died, (laughs) his character died, obviously not him. And there was lots of other cool stories he talked about, about his, like the actress who played his mom, they like saw each other later because he runs a restaurant where there's like an Alice Kidner burger and people can like meet him. So he totally, right. And Martha's been, yeah. yeah. Yeah, he, he's, he's a local, lives there, didn't go on acting. He just kind of like was a local and he's enjoyed that. And But he's, it's awesome that he did it right there from the beach. And that's what I'm going to show. And he's going to talk about his experience of playing out Skidner there on the beach. Cool. I just take the rafts down to the water here. And that's where you start hearing the derna, derna. And when you hear that, it's not good news. <laughs> <laughs> But it was funny because, you know, people were like, are you afraid of the shark filming it? No, it's afraid of going in this water in May here. You freeze your little 12-year-old, you know what, off. So you swim out <laughs> on the raft. And Spielberg was like, see the boats over here? Yeah. A little closer yeah. than those boats were. He goes, swim out. And there was a machine, like, the size of a barrel under the water. You couldn't see. It was, like, right near the top of the water. And he says, swim out to this thing now. And when you get there, we'll say cuts. The shorts that I was wearing, I guess, I found out that, because Dreyfus uh, at one of these signings, he was telling me that the shorts I had were red. And that was not supposed to be in the movie, I guess. The whole thing, yeah. um, the writers, Spielberg, everyone's like, they want no red clothing because of the blood and jaws and all that. That they, they So nothing was supposed to be red. And they say, how did my shorts end up being red? I guess they couldn't find another pair, so that's like the only red article of clothing in the movie, I guess. Do you still have those swim trunks? No, a lot of you get some crazy people that they would ask that question. Do you save those? It's like, no, I don't even know what happened to them. Spielberg would have cookouts and baseball games, and Richard Dreyfus, they, they would all be down there, Roy Schneider and those guys, and they'd be out there with the kids playing baseball. You're having a burger they're cooking, and then you look over far away because it was like a baseball field. You see the tennis courts further away. It's like, oh, there's Robert Shaw. And it's like, oh, i got to run over and say hello to him. And you get a little closer. It's like, what's that smell? It's like you smell booze. The guy, it's like one in the afternoon. You could tell he was a little intoxicated right then. <laughs> and you run over, hey, how's it going? And he's like, ah, get away from me, you little. I, I'm not going to say it on air. It starts with an F. And get away from me, a little shit. So basically, we knew he just wanted nothing to do with all these little kids running up saying hello. And so, and that just got that. That was kind of putting fuel on a fire because we knew that got him upset. So it's a small island. So you go down there and watch him filming scenes all over the place. And anytime you would see him, you would have to run over and just say, "How's it going?" Hey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so again, another great interview we did with Jeffrey Voorhees, who played Alex Kidner. So, like, 
That so, guy was amazing. He yeah. was amazing. He took us down to the water's edge. He walked us around Martha's Vineyard, all the filming locations. That I, we couldn't have asked for a better interview. And Cheeseman, this last clip is the one that Katie participated in with us. Yeah. So the last clip we're going to show is kind of like where we are now with Jaws. We don't have any like new movies announced or anything yet. But uh, so there's one of the sharks so let me just say that so jaws when it was made the studio wasn't very happy that it went over time over budget all that so the sharks come back to universal studios and they trash them they don't know this giant success it's going to be but then the movie comes out and they're like well i guess we should do something to kind of get the fans in here and all that so then they still had the original molds so they made another shark for publicity uh there at universal studios hollywood that was like hanging from the rope and all that so <laughs> brad wants to know what's this jaws movie about <laughs> what's this jaws movie about well you know maybe if you weren't 45 minutes late you would know <laughs> Keep going, Luke. Go, Luke. but anyways this uh shark unfortunately ended up in a junkyard and just kind of like was falling to pieces was hanging up in a tree didn't have its teeth anymore was all the paint was peeling. So Greg Nicotero, one of the, the biggest special effects person out there right now, who studied under Tom Savini, a classic special effects horror in the past, who's still He's living. the guy that does all the stuff. effects for The Walking Dead. He has his own series, Creep Show, now on Shudder. Yep. Yeah, Greg Nicotero. So Greg multiple times went there trying to buy the shark because he's just this ultimate fan. And then the junkyard closed down and they're like, all right, we're going to donate it to this, to this museum. And then Greg's like, Hey, I'll donate all my labor just to be able to kind of like be a part of this. And he restored the shark fully and is now in this museum. So we're going to hear a little of this backstory of it's the Academy of motion arts and sciences yeah. museum. Yep. Over here in Los Angeles. It's a big deal. Yeah. And Greg, one of the reasons he's in what he's doing is because of Jaws. He was a mega fan, and his interview is amazing as well. And like okay. we said, Kitty was cool. part of that too. Tell us about the restoration of the fourth Bruce that you got from the junkyard. Yes. Well, the funny thing about that was that so you got to flash back in time to 1975. Jaws comes out. Universal has this huge backlot tour, and all of a sudden, the way I imagine it is they start scrambling, like, we got to have something from Jaws in the backlot because we have, like, the biggest movie in the world and we don't have anything to show for it. So they pulled the original molds out. I always, I don't know why, I have this vision of, like, a bunch of guys smoking cigarettes, like, painting <laughs> of the shark. And they hung it by the tail and it was on display. So when you would go to the back lot at Universal, you could see <clears throat> a replica of the shark from Jaws. And they painted it green with like this weird like house paint mm -hmm. texture or something. I saw it in 1976, so I was 13, uh, when I went to Universal with my uncle and my cousins. So after a while, I think in the early 90s, they took the shark and they wanted to upgrade it because they didn't think it looked real enough. So it went to a junkyard in, in Silmar called You Pick Part. And people that were big Jaws fans would drive by the junkyard and you'd see it hanging there. And I think I went by there once and asked the owner like how much he wanted for it. Like I wanted to buy it. 
it's the only remaining cast from the original molds from Jaws. Like, how much? And the guy's like, it's not for sale, you know, and kept blowing me off. And then finally, about three years ago, the junkyard closed. They donated it to the Motion Picture Academy Museum, and that's where I enter the picture. I had uh, reached out to the museum and said, listen, I'm happy to donate all of the labor that it would take to restore the shark as a, <laughs> a donation to the museum if you would let us restore it. So they brought the shark to the shop uh, January of 2019, and we spent six months, stripped everything off of it, all the layers of paint. We had to cut the inside of the mouth open to get inside to rebuild the inner structure. We sculpted, we had to redo the gills, and then I sculpted the interior of the mouth, got castings from Roy Arbogast and Joe Alves of all the original teeth. So we, we rebuilt the inside of the mouth wow. and we repainted it and it's stunning. Looks amazing. Stunning. It does, yeah. In person, you, you can't even imagine how breathtaking it is. And, and to think that some guys took that job and said, okay, well, we're gonna build a 25 <laughs> and we're gonna put it in the water yeah. And it's the size of a bus, but we're going to figure out how to move. Like, I feel like the restoration of that shark is my thank you to every single special effects technician from the 1920s until now, because they never said we, they never said no. They just said, we're going to figure out how to do it. Yeah. yeah. Really, when the museum opens, hopefully they stick to the December opening because mm -hmm. I can't wait for people to see it because it, it completely puts uh, special effects technicians in a new light in terms of looking at it going, how the heck do no. you even start? Like what's day one of that job? You get hired on Jaws, what is day one? Like yeah. how do you know with a bunch of guys and go, okay, we're gonna build the shark and this is what it has to do. And they did it and it's, it's, a, it's a magnificent, um, triumph for all of those guys and so i'm i'm honored that that i had a chance to restore the shark for future generations that was amazing that's amazing and um i know we need to to kind of like uh switch over because we are kind of running along here but uh katie i just did i wanted to ask you i mean because how awesome was this speaking with greg nicotero <laughs> oh that was i mean that was amazing yeah. As someone who, you know, watched, I haven't watched it in a while, but watched Walking Dead and worked up the attraction at Universal. I mean, I was just like, is this happening? And I mean, 2020 was, you know, pretty POS year, but there were some really good highlights. And I think that was one of mine for sure. So. Oh, me too. Like that happened in the early part of the pandemic. And I remember him saying, you know what? And all of us saying, if it weren't for this pandemic, I mean, to look on the bright side, I mean, if there is. If the pandemic had not happened, there's we probably would not be sitting there talking with Greg Nicotero. No, probably not. So that was fantastic. Hey, Luke, I got to tell you, um, by the way, we just saw small clips from five. Of, is it five? I think five of the different videos that will be shown. Five of the ten. Five of the ten. Luke poured his heart, soul, and so much time into editing these things. Even just what we saw tonight. What an amazing editing job of getting all the clips in there, all the movie clips, everything. Jeez, man, congratulations. That's like, wow. That's pretty amazing uh, stuff there. It makes us look like a really cool podcast, you know? <laughs> <laughs>
Brad said, sorry, I'm late. He's chiming in from Times Square in New York City. New York City is insane in the summer. Brad's there at a premiere. Do you remember which premiere he's at, Luke? I think it's the new uh, Gossip Girl stuff, right? Uh, Something. Something that I don't – something for the CW. Just, that as opposed to all those other times when NYC Brad, what is, is – Completely sane, right? Yeah, we do have to switch. Crazy. Yeah, we do have to switch over. But I do want to say this, everybody: we love Jaws. Jaws is celebrating its forty-five plus one year this year. Um, it's and Luke, it's one of the best. Luke is the one who really kind of turned me on to like how great this movie is. Please go to theconguy.com. We have ten interviews there. Luke has one more interview that hopefully will be dropping by July fourth. Luke, what is that interview? Uh, we talked to Murray Hamilton's son, who played the mayor of Amity, which was great because he was such, you know, like he got to kind of be there on some of these sets and got to be close to his dad. And really, like when you experience like serious loss in your life, like a lot of times it's like, oh, I don't know if I want to talk about their parent or I want to talk about their friend. But when you go through like a serious loss of somebody you truly love, like you like talking about them and you really felt that with Murray Hamilton's son, like he really loved talking about his father and what he did. And he looks a lot like him too. So uh, you'll get a lot of cool stories and perspectives on what it was like for his dad and for his family being around him. And it was fantastic. What a great, generous guy. You know, sometimes people hear all these terrible stories about people in Hollywood. And you know what? A lot of them are kind of true, but there are decent people here. And the son of Murray Hamilton was a good guy, loved his dad. It's a never-before-seen interview, him talking about his dad on the set of Jaws as the mayor. It was amazing. So, um, Luke, thank you for putting all this together, you and Ben, for just, like, really, really. I mean, I remember the effort was huge. And, uh, guys, remember, theconguy.com It's going to be there. By the way, the reason it's dropping this week, Jaws, the movie, the original, it happens on Fourth of July weekend. That's the whole thing. The mayor's trying to open up the town because it's the Fourth of July. The the sheriff's trying to shut it down because there's a shark killing people. It's a great film. Don't you love America? Yes. All right. Last thing before we switch over. Brad says he's working up. He's there for the Gossip Girl world premiere for HBO Max. Brad, good to see you. Thank you for chiming in. Woo, guys, I know that we went long, but I do want to hear about LegoCon. We have some stuff. I want to hear about LegoCon, Derek and Katie. Yeah, so Katie and I both have been keeping up with Lego Masters this season, and we're texting each other back and forth uh, every so often because there's been some amazing stuff. Um, we're both Lego fans, and, you know, I, of course – am displaying my Lego shelf behind me with some of the giant sets. Um, my wife and I are currently working on, uh, let's see, we've got, I will show a picture. My wife and I are currently working on our Lego Ultimate Collector Series Millennium Falcon, which is We're less than halfway done right now and it's already huge. And I'm only showing you this little picture because, you know, it's all the yeah. underbellies. It's kind of a naked ship right now. How many pieces is that there? I think it's, hang on, the box is right here. And don't you have an unboxing? 7,541 pieces. Jeez. Uh, also, little fun fact for those of you who maybe don't follow Lego as much as Derek. And Derek is way more of a Lego fan than I did. In fact, his 30th birthday was Lego themed, uh, and I got to go to that. So 
that tells you how much of a fan he is. But for those of you who don't know, this particular Lego set is almost impossible to find at retail value. Mm -hmm. um, it's very hard to find. And Derek can tell you, it usually sells for twice that price, the price that it sells at retail sales. So if you are into Legos, it's going to be, be, be prepared to spend a big chunk of change for that. <laughs> This, this oh, is the yeah. That is so big. It's, it's like a collectible almost, item in the fact that people. It's almost my whole twice. body weight right here. <laughs> wow. Yeah. It's huge. <laughs> Didn't you do a, a, an unboxing video? I did. I think I sent you that. Did we share that? We haven't shared it we yet, will. but we will. We will do it very soon. Okay. Share it through social media. Yes, we will. Yeah. Um, anyway, like. You know, what we love about Lego is, for one, all of us enjoyed it as kids. Uh, most of us did. And it's and now, you know, it was, I think I was in college by the time they started licensing things like Star Wars and Harry Potter and um, then the Lord of the Rings. And we started getting, oh, yes, Jurassic World. Thank you, Katie. Jurassic, Katie was just sharing the, video game. the Lego Jurassic World game for PS4. Yeah. But yeah, there's, and part of like what my wife and I love about it is it's something to do together too. You know, now they're, they market Lego to people our age who have kids now of their own. And it's something you can do together as a family. Like we have been just having friends join in as they come over to play and like, hey, let's work on the Falcon together. And we're slowly making our way through building it. You know, it's, it's cool. It's what, it's the, what I love about Lego is the stuff that I love about all the nerdy things and all the conventions. It's a way for us to come together around something that we can just share joy in. Um, and that's part of what they talked about with Lego Con on Saturday. Uh, this, was, this event was kind of the first of its kind from the Lego company. It was a 90-minute live stream that, was, that aired at the same time all over the world. And they had, they had Q and A's with designers. They, had, they revealed some new sets. They had some special events, like they raced some Lego Technic sets, uh, some like, you know, kind of oh, look like yeah. Tonka trucks, but some big uh, dump trucks with molded jello in the back. And they had to race them <laughs> along the obstacle course and then dump it in a certain place. Uh, there were just a bunch of fun things like that. And one thing they focused on that I loved was um, what they call adult fans of Lego or AFOL AFOLs. And they had some cool stuff that they highlighted from some independent fans who had made things. Uh, they had the guy who created the Lego Grand Piano that's out now, which was on the Lego Ideas website, which is where fans can design things and share them there. And then if they get, if they get enough votes, then the company will actually make and market the sets. Um, so they had that guy on there. And they had this one woman named Inez Vasquez. And I have some pictures of just pictures I took of my screen while uh, her stuff was being shown. But this woman is uh, from the Philippines and makes flowers in the wow. Philippines, like recreates them in Lego. So because my wife is also Filipino, I was really excited to get this and show her. Um, and it's this kind of artwork like this that I'm like, man, I wish I was that good. So far, I mostly just make stuff based on the instructions. But yeah. I am kind of blown away with the stuff that some people accomplish. Um, that's Lego right there? Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, that's there's yeah. there's a real plant there and then a Lego plant next to it, if you look. Oh, 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 cool. Yeah, but so many of these she'll um, she would mimic the actual plants and make like these very close facsimiles, basically in Lego of them. Uh, and then another cool thing they shared was this this Lamborghini. They did so Lego Technic has a full really size. Cool. 
this one I think is the life size set. Yeah. So Lego Technic oh, has that you can buy. But they showed a life size Lamborghini made out of Lego. Get I mean, it's here. just mind blowing. And it's it's so cool. It's just it's not just for kids anymore, but it's kind of for the kids within all of us. Um, and some of the big highlights, like they talked about, let's see, um, they had a few of those designers that I mentioned. They showed a lot of stuff from the brick house, the, the Lego house in Denmark, where they have the headquarters, which there are giant dinosaur sets there. There's a huge yeah. tree. Um, and they started work on um, this huge mural that they're doing, which you can still go to. Let me see if I can find the website. Um, I think it's a legohouse.com slash dots. Um, if that's not right, then go to legohouse.com. But you can still submit designs to be part of this mural up until, I think, August 15th. And they're going to unveil the whole thing on September 3rd. Nice. Yeah, just designs. The whole LegoCon streamed live from the Lego house, right? Yes, I think they actually had like other locations streaming yeah. at the same time, but the main like the right there. For it, right? Yeah. That's what I heard. That's what I, I wasn't able to watch it because I was working, but um, yeah. So here's the Lego oh. house, right? There it yep. is. Yeah, then as I was watching, I was like, I want to go, you know, see what it costs to fly to Denmark right now because. <laughs> I went to this. Is that a real house? It's a big house. Well, it's it's their company headquarters, so it's yeah. you know a big office building. They call it the Lego House, but it's not really a house that people live yeah. in, as far as I know. Yes. Lots of minifigs live there. Yeah. That's cool. So, what, uh, Derek? I I perused the website a little bit. What's this? Looks very cool. Those yeah, this new. is some of the the new Lego Harry Potter yeah. sets they've got coming out. They're, and these are, um, you know, you, you go ahead, build, like, It looks like a minifig, but you're building it and it's bigger. It's not actually a minifig, but it looks like one. I actually saw those at Target when I was contemplating uh, a Lego set to possibly buy. And I was in the Harry Potter section because there's a whole section for Harry Potter. And I saw mm -hmm. those and I was like, oh, that's new. I haven't seen those before. Very cool. I yeah. saw that. That was really cool. And that car looked yeah. freaking amazing. And yeah. this year, 2021, is the 20th anniversary of the first Harry Potter movie and also the first Harry Potter Lego sets. So they had a couple of designers who make pretty much all of the Lego Harry Potter sets now. Um, and they were interviewing them. It was great. These guys, uh, I think Marcos and Jorge were their names because it's great. Like it's a huge international company and their designers come from all over. But they were talking about some of the. Oh, that's nice, Katie. I want. Wait, that. wait, wait. Let, let's look. Let's look at this. What is this? This what is, is the, one of the the sets that they did. They did one that was themed to each house. They came out, I believe, last year. I can't show you the whole thing because it comes apart, so you can display it. But a piece just fell. But <laughs> this one is the herbology classroom. Oh, so cool. Yeah. There are four sets like this. They're called Hogwarts Moments, I think. Yeah. And there's yeah. they're modeled like basically they fit inside of a book, which is of course made of Lego. But there's one for each of the Hogwarts houses, and you open them up, and each one has a special classroom with a couple of minifigs related yeah. to that house. And it's related to that house. So like Slytherin yeah. is potions classroom. Um, Emily's is Transfiguration, or Emily's Gryffindor. <laughs> Gryffindor is uh, Transfiguration, and I don't know what the Ravenclaw one is. But yeah, this one, I believe, was $50. I believe was how much it was. It was either 40 or 50 
So um, I, I bought it, I think, for Christmas with a Target gift card. But lately, I, I think I want to buy, because I really want the Diagon Alley set, but it's going to cost me a pretty It's heavy. a big set. Yeah. Um, and I don't know where I'll put it. But in before <laughs> I do that, I was thinking I would do the Burrow, because they released the Attack on the Burrow from the sixth movie. I don't movie. know. Sixth movie, I think, yes. Um, and I really want that one because I'm obsessed with the Weasleys. It's a, they're like my favorite. I have an entire Weasley section of pops. So I think it's like the perfect piece to add to my actual pop burrow and Lego burrow. It just seems like symmetry, you know? So, but yeah, I like that uh, idea. But yeah, but for those of you, uh, you know, I'm glad Derek was able to talk about LegoCon because I wasn't able to join, but I'm sure they I'm sure they released a ton of product announcements in that time too, right, Derek? They yeah, they certainly did. Um, they did talk about how so many of the Harry Potter sets coming out now are going to have uh, gold minifigs in them. Um, as oh. far as I understand, not like actual gold, but the gold collared special minifigs of yeah. Harry Potter characters. And they have some sets that are going to come with Lego wizard cards, which will have randomly uh, from a set of like maybe 16, they'll have different cards in every set. So you can buy the sets and you can trade with your friends and try and get all of them which is very clever, you know, not that they need to find ways to convince me to give them my money, but. Yeah, but you know, we know, yeah. we know a thing or two about nerds and our, our inability to refrain sometimes. It's um, true. But yeah. I did want to segue a little bit to Lego Masters because, you know, it is something that's going on right now. It's funny because Lego Masters season one aired last year, I think right around the beginning of the pandemic or in, during the pandemic, I believe, or right before. And hadn't heard anything about season two. And then all of a sudden we finally saw an ad with the mass Singer about it coming back. And my roommate and I were like, yes, finally it's coming back. Um, it is hosted by Will Arnett, AKA Lego Batman. Yeah. Um, it is a competition show that last year, I remember it was like, Derek, have you watched Lego Masters? How have we gone 30 plus years without a show <laughs> like this? Like a I Lego building competition. And it's, absolutely fascinating they do all sorts of challenges uh usually there's some sorts where you have to explode it or you have to break it which goes against the rules of lego like any lego builder knows legos are not meant to be broken they're meant to be a solid structure that doesn't ever stop being a structure so it kind yeah, of or, i mean they're made to where you could will willfully dismantle it and build something yeah. else but you don't but, want yeah, they're not supposed to be smashed no but like and last year Last year they had a challenge where it had to be dropped from a, a height of like 10 feet and it had to make a cool explosion when it hit the ground and all sorts of things. But this season, the most recent episode, because I believe there wasn't one on this week, but right. last week's episode combined fashion and Lego. And one of my favorite things to watch on television all the years I watched Project Runway is to watch people make fashion out of unconventional materials. So in the last episode, it was called Hats Incredible. <laughs> and they had to make a hat and do a fashion show with a hat. And they're all teams of two. They can be siblings. They can be friends. They could be um, married couples, all sorts of things. Um, me and Derek have a similar uh, favorite uh, duo this year. Uh, it's an Asian, uh, it's two brothers who are Asian and they're both sushi chefs, but they also yeah. are on the show. And they're absolutely phenomenal. Like. There's engineers on this show who are not at the level of some of these other builders. And it's, they have 10, I think it's eight hours or 10 hours to complete their build, which when you guys see these builds, you're like, how do they 
do this from scratch in 10 hours. Like I couldn't even do a manufactured Lego pattern in 10 hours. Like it's insane, but they did hats and they had to take their hands off the hats for, I think a total of five seconds, five seconds um, yeah. in order to like basically pass and be safe. And most of them had to hold it while they're walking down the runway. But the particular duo that Derek and I both like, they did not touch it the entire walk down the runway. And it was, it was strong. It was steady. Who knows how heavy this thing was? Cause Legos are not like light. Um, and it was, it was amazing. It's a, such a fun show. And Will Arnett is just the right amount of goofy and serious. It's like, he's actually a really great host for it. But I also like that they also pulled from the Lego franchise to have a host for it. So if you guys want to watch some just good family, I love competition shows. I'm not a reality show fan, but man, I love a good competition show. And I think it appeases to little kids. I think it it can definitely please the adult audiences more just because we grew up with Legos, but they add all the bells and whistles. They add, they add Technic, they add, they add lights, they add motors. I mean, it's, it's, pretty awesome it's pretty awesome so so where, do, where can we watched, see it yeah i'm just gonna say that if you haven't watched lego masters i believe they're only going to be on episode five so there's at least i think five episodes left but i'm not exactly sure um it airs yeah, on last season what there, there were 10 episodes last yeah. season so we could probably it's expect a, it's, not like a full season. it's like it's like a half season um mm -hmm. it airs on wednesday nights at i think eight no nine nine o'clock on fox um, okay. Yeah, it's and it's it's also on Hulu the next day. Uh, or if you guys want to watch, I think the whole season. I don't know if the first season is on Hulu, but I know the second season is. So you could technically binge watch the first four episodes and then watch the new one next week. Why am I just like Lego Masters? This is like I'm I've not even been aware of this show. This sounds amazing. It, it's pretty. It's pretty fantastic. It's, it it's is great. pretty amazing. Yeah, and actually, Katie, from the dates that I'm looking at, I think it airs on Tuesday nights on Fox. My bad. Um, the next episode is July 6th. I'm um, sorry. It used to be Wednesday nights. It used to be after Mass to Singer this year. Oh, it, right. moved, it moved a night earlier uh, this year because the crime scene kitchen replaced it. Um, <laughs> which is I can't wait to check that show. out too. It, I, yeah. I've watched it. It's entertaining as hell. Um, it's Joel <laughs> McHale and it's great. But yeah, check so it out. Some musician friends of ours wrote some music for that. and. Incidentally, this same couple also were some of the musicians that wrote Everything is Awesome. So that's definitely awesome. when I check out Crime Scene Kitchen. Nice. Yeah. Uh, Derek, we need to have the Everything is Awesome folks come on and talk to us about Legos. That would be fantastic. <laughs> yeah, I would love to have them on. We should just do an episode where we're building Lego together and talking about it. Like you could record a podcast like that, right? Why not? Why yeah. not? I, I think I've done a Lego, I did a Lego Twitch stream, so. All right. Brilliant. Derek, Katie, you guys are great. This, um, I love the, the thing that I love about the community, especially the community here, that is like everyone has their different parts of the things they're into. And every time I hear about what everybody is geeking out about, I just want to go and have more of that. Like, I know that I love, I grew up with Legos. They were a little bit different in my day. I'm very Lego. old. Sorry to correct you again, but the brand is Lego. And if you're talking about yeah. the actual individual pieces, they're called Lego bricks. And any really diehard AFOL is going to correct you on that. Diehard what? 
Athol, adult fan of Lego. Adult fan of Lego. <laughs> yeah. A lot of the Midwest is known for adding S's to things that don't exist. Like stores will say people... Kroger's instead of Kroger, Barnes and Nobles instead of Barnes and yeah. Noble. That's oh, yeah. I grew up in Kroger's. Yeah. I went the to the Walmart. For Lego <laughs> Master are actual people who work for Lego and create sets, and they're called Brick Masters. Yeah. Amy and Jamie. And Brick Master Amy was part of the Lego Con. And she's got a really great Scottish accent. So great. <laughs> so good. Yeah. yeah. Well, guys, this is something. I think we need to dive deeper into the bricks of Lego, the Lego uh, hysteria, because it sounds awesome. Derek, Katie, Luke, thank you guys so much for joining us tonight. And oh, sharing Jim. Derek, Jim, yeah. Jim, just a second. Sorry. Before we go, yeah. the Art of the Brick exhibit is at the the Los Angeles Science Center right now until I think uh, late January. Um, so just a heads up, if you're into Lego, if you want to check out more of what this means, see some of the work by adult Lego fans that is actually some amazing sculptures when you come down to it. Um, yeah, look at look up The Art of the Brick is the name of the exhibit at the LA Science Center. Wow. So they have a, they have a whole exhibit on Lego? Yeah. There's some, um, actually, there's an entire amusement park dedicated to Lego. Okay, that's true. This is true. This is true. <laughs> I'm all the way. How are you saying Lego? Comic Con. <laughs> yeah. Hey guys, this has been a great night. I love that we got to celebrate two very nostalgic things: Lego, which is something that all of us, even me, grew up with. It, it never went to the heights of what it is now, but I, I'm so excited about that. Getting Derek, thanks so much for um, bringing us all the Lego news. Cheeseman, thank you so much for putting together the Jaws 45 plus one retrospective. Everybody, please go to theconguy.com and check it out. Also, um, please check out our our, our our podcast everywhere you can download podcasts, whether it's iTunes, Spotify, we're mainly on Spotify. I think that's our main spot. Um, iHeartRadio, like us, follow us, share us, and say nice things about us because we're nice people. And um, you can find me here um, on thekindofguy.com or James D. Fry on Instagram. Katie, where can people find you? You guys can find me at KT underscore Christine across all social media, Twitch, TikTok, Instagram, Twitter. I have it all. Uh, I was doing some live tweeting for Loki, but with Danae, both of us were live tweeting it via the Con Guy Twitter on Wednesday, which I will try to do again this Wednesday. Uh, we also have a Con Girls show planned uh, for both WitcherCon and Black Widow. So definitely stay tuned to the Con Girls or Con Guy for more information about that. Um, I will also be trying to live tweet as much of WitcherCon as possible because obviously I'm a big fan. Uh, but if you guys also like gaming, check me out on Twitch. Uh, I usually stream late nights, not every night, but usually that's when I stream. So if you are a night owl, come hang out with me. Uh, I have fun playing Witcher 3, Spider-Man, uh, recently Lego. So, yeah. Awesome. I love night owls. Yes. Derek. Uh, you can occasionally find me on Twitter at ConGuyDerek, but more often you should just check theconguy.com because I will be there and I'll be right here for the ConGuy happy hour. Yes. Cheese men. Uh, you can find me both on Twitter and Instagram at Cheese on Couch. Here. Right there. <laughs> and also on theconguy.com and thescareguy.com. And I just want to 
ask one thing of the Lego people. What do you think was my favorite Lego piece as a kid? The shark. Like you mean like okay, like an actual one. The little Lego shark because technically it was two Lego shark. But That's everyone like it would always the top jaw thing would always come off and get lost. Yep. Awesome. I may still have it somewhere in my little like I actually had a Lego container, like a red thing that you'd put all your Legos in. Mm-hmm. And you know not organized, but they were all together at least. Does anybody remember the name of the shark in Jaws before we go out? Bruce. And it was also the name of the shark in Finding Nemo. I knew it was the name of the shark in Finding Nemo. <laughs> All right, guys. Thank you so much. Um, this has been an awesome night. Check us out. Go see Jaws. And most of all, love your country. Th this weekend is the 4th of July, which means freedom, liberty. We are opening back up. Conventions mm -hmm. are right on our doorstep. The doorstep this is an awesome thing. Love you all. Yell barracuda instead of shark. What's that? Yell barracuda instead of shark. Otherwise, <laughs> you'll have a panic on your hands on the 4th of July. <laughs> Thanks for listening to The Con Guy Show, the official program of theconguy.com. Find us on the Weeby Geeks Collective or anywhere you listen to podcasts. And now on sci-fi.radio, Saturdays at 4 o'clock Eastern, 1 o'clock Pacific, both a.m. and p.m. That's 9 o'clock Greenwich. It's sci-fi for your Wi-Fi.